On today's episode, we get into one of the most famous of Grimm's fairy tales, Hansel and Gretel. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast that shows that fairy tales and folklore were way more fun back when they were super dark and completely insane, before modern movies and books cleaned them up and watered them down to make them more quote-unquote family-friendly. Back in olden times, families were telling each other these crazy, dark, violent stories to teach them life lessons, and you know what? They were way more entertaining back then, and they probably did a better job of preparing kids to handle how insane and chaotic the world really is. So here at Shadow Bear, we're going to take it back to those old times and get into the original versions of all the fairy tales and folk tales that set the stage for all the movies and TV shows and books that we know and love today. We're going through Grimm's fairy tales front to back, and the next story in line is Hansel and Gretel, one of the most well-known of Grimm's fairy tales. So let's get right into it. We begin. A poor woodcutter lived on the edge of a large forest. He didn't have a bite to eat and barely provided the daily bread for his wife and two children, Hansel and Gretel. It reached a point when he couldn't even provide that anymore. Indeed, he didn't know how to solve this predicament. Well, he must be a pretty terrible woodcutter if he literally lives on the edge of a forest and somehow cannot find a way to make a living. One night, as he was tossing and turning in bed because of his worries, his wife said to him, Listen to me, husband. Early tomorrow morning you're to take both the children and give them each a piece of bread. Then lead them into the middle of the forest where it's most dense. After you build them a fire, go away and leave them there. We can no longer feed them. No, wife, the man said. I don't have the heart to take my own children and abandon them to wild beasts, for they'd soon come and tear them apart in the forest. If you don't do that, his wife responded, we shall all have to starve to death. She didn't give him any peace until he said yes. Pretty brutal mom. The two children were still awake because of their hunger, and they had heard everything that their mother said to their father. Gretel thought, now it's all over for me, and began to weep pitiful tears. But Hansel spoke. Be quiet, Gretel. Don't get upset. I'll find a way to help us. Upon saying this, he got up, put on his little jacket, opened the bottom half of the door, and crept outside. I guess it was one of those old-timey doors that had a top half and a bottom half, and he just sort of slipped out through the bottom half. So the moon was shining very brightly, and the white pebbles glittered in front of the house like pure silver coins. Hansel stooped down to the ground and stuffed his pocket with as many pebbles as he could fit in. Then he went back into the house. Maybe they could make some money by selling some of these cool little pebbles that glitter all white in the moonlight. Get creative with that. Maybe an art piece. I don't know, get creative, guys. Don't worry, Gretel, just sleep quietly. He said, and he lay down again in his bed and fell asleep. Early the next morning, before the sun had even begun to rise, their mother came and woke the two children. 
Get up, children, we're going into the forest. Here's a piece of bread for each of you. But be smart, and don't eat it until noon. Gretel put the bread under her apron because Hansel had the pebbles in his pocket. Then they all set out together into the forest. After they had walked a while, Hansel stopped still and looked back at the house. He did this time and again until his father said, Hansel, what are you looking at there, and why are you dawdling? Pay attention and march along. Oh, father, said Hansel, I'm looking at my little white cat that's sitting up on the roof and wants to say goodbye to me. You fool, the mother said, that's not a cat, it's the morning sun shining on the chimney. But Hansel had not been looking at the cat. Instead, he had been looking at the shiny pebbles from his pocket that he had been dropping on the ground. Well, don't look at them. You're going to give away what you're doing. Just sort of let them slip out. You're drawing too much attention, and the white cat on the roof that's actually the sun is not a good excuse. Just be cool, Hansel. Be cool. When they reached the middle of the forest, the father said, Children, I want you to gather some wood. I'm going to make a fire so you won't get cold. Hansel and Gretel gathered together some brushwood and built quite a nice little pile. Well, no wonder they're going hungry. This guy is literally a woodcutter, and he asks Hansel and Gretel to get the firewood. Clearly not a very good woodcutter if he's getting his kids to do the work. The brushwood was soon kindled, and when the fire was ablaze, the mother said, Now, children, lie down by the fire and sleep. We're going into the forest to chop wood. When we're finished, we'll come back and get you. If I were the kids, I'd be like, why did you bring us here? To sleep by the fire. We could have just stayed at home for that. What's the point of this? Hansel and Gretel sat by the fire, and when noon came, they kept eating their pieces of bread until evening. But their mother and father did not return. Nobody came to fetch them. Well, they knew this would happen. They heard about this plan. Why did they even go? Just leave in advance. You know your parents are about to abandon you. Just get out of there so at least you're not abandoned in the middle of a forest where apparently there are wild beasts ready to tear you apart. When it became pitch dark, Gretel began to weep. But Hansel said, Just wait a while until the moon has risen. And when the full moon had risen... Hansel took Gretel by the hand, the pebbles glittered like newly minted silver coins, and showed them the way. They walked the whole night long and arrived back at their father's house at break of day. Their father rejoiced with all his heart when he saw his children again, for he had not liked the idea of abandoning them alone in the forest. To be honest, that doesn't really do much for me, because he still abandoned them in the forest. You don't get brownie points. This doesn't really tell me. I know it's trying to convey that the father is nicer, but he still abandoned his kids in the forest. You don't get any sympathy for just being happy that they found their way back. Because they outsmarted you with pebbles. Their mother also seemed to be delighted by their return, but secretly, she was angry. Not long after this, there was once again nothing to eat in the house. And one evening, Gretel heard her mother say to her father, The children found their way back one time, and I just let that go but now there's nothing left in the house except for a half loaf of bread. Tomorrow you must take them farther into the forest so they won't find their way back home again. Otherwise, there's no hope for us. All this saddened the father, and he thought, it'd be much better to share your last bite to eat with your children. But since he had given in the first time, he also had to yield a second. I don't understand that logic, because he gave up the first time, he had to do it the second time. No. 
They found their way back, and we made it for a little while. Clearly we can figure this out. We didn't starve immediately. He could just come back and say, No, last time I gave in, so this time, no, I refuse. But no, I guess we have a wimp of a woodcutter father here. Hansel and Gretel overheard their parents' conversation. <laughs> God, guys, have the conversation in more private. It's just, just talking about abandoning your kids in front of your kids. What is this, a tiny cabin? And they're just like right over there on the other side. You can obviously overhear everything they're saying. This is really sad. These kids have to put up with this. If this is what these kids' life is like, just get, just get out of there. Just don't wait for another secret plan. Run away. Just don't wait for... Just don't formulate another secret plan to go into the forest and find your way back to the parents that want to abandon you and have done so repeatedly. Just get out of there. Get out of there before they can take you to the forest. At least you stand a chance, because you're not lost in the woods. Alright. So they overheard their parents' conversation. Then Hansel got up and intended to gather pebbles once again. But their parents had locked the door. It's a fire hazard. Nevertheless, he comforted Gretel and said, Just sleep, dear Gretel. The dear Lord will certainly help us. Okay, there's a weird throwing some religion in here. Don't know if that'll come into play. There's been some weird religious elements or semi-religious elements to some of Grimm's fairy tales' earlier stories. We'll see if that comes into play here. Early the next morning, they each received little pieces of bread, but they were smaller than the last time. On the way into the forest, Hansel crumbled the bread in his pocket and stopped as often as he could to throw the crumbs on the ground. Hansel, why are you always stopping and looking around? asked the father. Keep going. You know, if he's all sad that he has to abandon his kids, he's being awful insistent and pushy about getting them into the forest quickly. Oh, I'm looking at my little pigeon that's sitting on the roof and wants to say goodbye to me, Hansel answered. You fool, his mother said. That's not your little pigeon. It's the morning sun shining on the chimney. Well, either Hansel has a bunch of weird little animal pets who stand on the roof and try and send him messages and say goodbye to him, or he's just really good at knowing how to make up a good excuse that his mother will believe, because she always just thinks he has terrible vision and it's actually the sun. Now, their mother led the children even deeper into the forest until they came to a spot they had never been to before in their lives. Once again, they were to sleep by a large fire, and their parents were to come and fetch them in the evening. How did that conversation go? Again, they could be like, we could have stayed home for this. We don't need to sleep by a fire in the forest. We could have just stayed home. And you say you're going to come back. Are you going to come back? Because last time we did this, you just left. Also, how did that go when they returned last time? How did that conversation go when they got back to the house and like we found our way and the father rejoiced? Just like, yeah, you didn't come back. The hell was that about? I'm glad you're happy to see us. But the hell happened. You said you were going to come back to the fire. You never came back to the fire. How did, they, how did the parents play that one off? Suspicious. Yeah, now that they brought them back out to the woods, made a fire, and said sleep by the fire again. I mean, I, and you know that the parents are lying. And they probably kind of know that the kids know that they're lying when they say they're going to come back. This is just sad. Sad vibes all around. When noon came, Gretel shared her bread with Hansel because he had scattered his along the way. 
Noon went by, and then evening passed, but no one came for the poor children. Hansel comforted Gretel and said, Just wait until the moon has risen, Gretel. Then I'll see the little breadcrumbs that I scattered. That'll show us the way back home. Breadcrumbs are not reflective like pebbles are. Their best odds with the breadcrumbs would have been to just go back immediately. Why, there's no point in waiting. They know mom and dad aren't coming back. They know that. They overheard the plan. Again. They're following the first plan when they need to adapt this plan to breadcrumbs. When the moon rose and Hansel looked for the breadcrumbs, they were gone because the many thousands of birds that fly about the forest had found them and gobbled them up. If they had gone immediately to try to follow that trail, they would have had better odds. Still, some of them might have been gobbled up. They might not have gotten all the way back, but they would have gotten a lot closer. We continue. Nevertheless, Hansel believed he could find the way home and pulled Gretel along with him, but they soon lost their way in the great wilderness. They walked the entire night and all the next day as well, from morning till night until they fell asleep from exhaustion. Then they walked for one day more, but they didn't find their way out of the forest. They were now also very hungry, for they had had nothing to eat except some berries that they had found growing on the ground. On the third day, they continued walking until noon. Then they came to a little house made of bread, with cake for a roof, and pure sugar for windows. Let's sit down and eat until we're full, said Hansel. I want to eat a piece of the roof. Gretel, you can have part of the window, since it's sweet. I guess Gretel's got that sweet tooth. Hansel had already eaten a good piece of the roof, and Gretel had devoured a couple small round windows and was about to break off a new one when they heard a shrill voice cry from inside, Nibble, nibble, I hear a louse. Who's that nibbling? On my house. Hansel and Gretel were so tremendously frightened that they dropped what they had in their hands, and immediately thereafter a small, ancient woman crept out of the door. She shook her head and said, Well now, dear children, where have you come from? Come inside with me. You'll have a good time. Alright, that last bit is creepy. The, the last bit, you'll have a good time, that should have been a million red flags going up. Anyone saying to a bunch of kids, Come inside with me, you'll have a good time. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Turn and run. Turn and run. Turn and run. Even if you're in the middle of the forest, turn and fucking run. She took them both by the hand and led them into her little house. Then she served them a good meal of milk and pancakes with sugar and apples and nuts. Afterwards, she made up two beautiful beds, and when Hansel and Gretel lay down in them, they thought they were in heaven. The old woman, however, was really a wicked witch on the lookout for children, and had built the house made of bread only to lure them to her. As soon as she had any children in her power, she would kill, cook, and eat them. It would be like a feast day for her. Therefore, she was quite happy that Hansel and Gretel had come her way. I'd be surprised if any children had ever stumbled across this house ever before. Built a house in the middle of the forest. No one's just wandering by. Can't even see like 20-30 feet ahead in the forest. How is she getting any children? Also... Children aren't just going to be unaccompanied in the forest. This is a really freak, random situation that these two children happen to be wandering around in the forest. This is just a really bad plan for this witch, to be honest. 
Early the next morning, before the children were awake, she got up and looked at the two of them sleeping so sweetly, and she was delighted and thought, "'There'll certainly be a tasty meal for you.' Then she grabbed Hansel and stuck him into a small coop, and when he woke up, he was behind a wire mesh used to lock up chickens, and he couldn't move about. Immediately after, she shook Gretel and yelled, Get up, you lazy bones! Fetch some water, and then go into the kitchen and cook something nice. Your brother's sitting in a chicken coop. I want to fatten him up, and when he's fat enough, I'm going to eat him. But now I want you to feed him. That must have been a really confusing way to wake up for Gretel. Gretel was frightened and wept. Very understandable. But she had to do what the witch demanded. Why? She's not threatening her. She also hasn't shown any, like, witch powers. And she's old and ancient and small. Speaking of which, how did she get Hansel into the coop without him waking up or anything? Just glossing over that fact in any event. Gretel was frightened and wet, but she had to do what the witch demanded. So the very best food was cooked for poor Hansel so that he would become fat, while Gretel got nothing but crab shells. Where are they getting crabs in the woods? Why wouldn't she just fatten Gretel up too? Get two fat meals. Why does she want bony girl and fat little boy? She'd probably be more likely to go along with your with your bullshit if you give her some nice food too. But no, crab shells. Don't even know how you survive on crab shells. Every day the old woman came and called out, Hansel, stick out your finger so I can feel whether you're fat enough. However, Hansel stuck out a little bone, and the witch was continually puzzled that Hansel didn't get any fatter. He's just behind chicken wire, can't she see? Wouldn't it be pretty obvious that he was sticking out a bone? Also, the finger is notoriously the skinniest, boniest part of literally any person, even a fat person. If you're trying to tell if a person's fat, the finger is the worst representative sample to squeeze. If her vision is so bad that she can't even tell that Hansel is fat or isn't fat, she just can't even see him, then Gretel should be able to sneak away, get Hansel out, and they can sneak out of there. There's something going, there's something wrong with this witch, is all I'm saying. She should be pretty easy to get away from. One evening, after a month had passed, she said to Gretel, Get a move on and fetch some water. I don't care whether your little brother's fat enough or not. He's going to be slaughtered and boiled tomorrow. In the meantime, I want to prepare the dough so that we can also bake. I guess she wants a side of garlic knots to go with her boiled little boy. So Gretel went off with a sad heart and fetched the water in which Hansel was to be boiled. Come on, Gretel, do something. I mean, I know she does later, but at this point, really, you're just going along with the motion. She hasn't even threatened you with anything. She hasn't threatened you or shown any magical ability whatsoever, other than, I guess, having a big house made of food. But that's not a violent ability. That's not a threatening power. Just because a witch can do food magic doesn't mean she's dangerous to you. Try something, Gretel. Punch her in the face. I never understand why no one does that in these stories where there's magic. You can still punch someone in the face. Oh, that person's magic? They still have a face you can punch. Punch that witch in the face. In any event, we continue. Early the next morning, Gretel had to get up 
light the fire and hang up a kettle full of water. Well, it's just going to take more than a kettle. You're boiling a human. Just putting a kettle of water and just, you're just going to pour it on him over his head. It's just going to hurt like hell. It's not going to boil him. Make sure that it boils, said the witch. I'm going to light the fire in the oven and shove the bread inside. Wants to make sure the garlic sticks are ready when Hansel is. Gretel was standing in the kitchen and wept bloody tears and thought... She wept bloody tears. That's a bit off-putting. She thought it would have been better if the wild animals in the forest had eaten us. Then we would have died together and wouldn't have had to bear this sorrow. And I wouldn't have to boil the water that would be the death of my dear brother. Oh, dear God, help us poor children get out of this predicament. The old woman called, Gretel, come right away over here to the oven. When Gretel came, she said, look inside and see if the bread is already nice and brown and well done. My eyes are weak. Well, there you go. I guess that explains why she can't see whether or not Hansel is fat. But that also means you should be able to escape from this woman. Quite easily. I can no longer see so well from a distance, and if you can't see, then sit down on the board, and I'll shove you inside. Then you can get around inside and check everything. Pretty obvious plan, what's going on. It is an oven. You can't just, like, walk around inside an oven without getting burned. Gretel is not dumb. Gretel knows this. This is a really stupid plan. The witch wanted to shut the oven door once Gretel was inside, for she wanted to bake her in the hot oven and eat her, too. Well, then why didn't you fatten her up along with Hansel? Just gonna have bony, roasted little girl? Nah. You want that fat, roasted little girl. This is what the Wicked Witch had planned and why she had called the girl. But God inspired Gretel. Okay. And she said, I don't know how to do it. First, you show it to me. Sit down on the board, and I'll shove you inside. And so the old woman sat down on the board, and since she was light, Gretel shoved her inside as far as she could, and then she quickly shut the oven door and bolted it with an iron bar. The old woman began to scream and groan in the hot oven, but Gretel ran off, and the witch was miserably burned to death. Meanwhile, Gretel went straight to Hansel and opened the door to the coop. There's a door. She could have just opened the door. I'm st- They definitely could have overpowered this witch at any point up until now. She hasn't shown any sort of violent tendencies or any abilities to do anything to actually hurt these kids. After Hansel jumped out, they kissed each other and were glad. The entire house was full of jewels and pearls, so they filled their pockets with them. Then they went off and found their way home. So it was just easy after that? They just found their way home immediately? I guess maybe they had all the gold. If they got out of the forest, then they could figure out and pay to find their way back. All right, fine. Their father rejoiced when he saw them again. Again, I do not buy this at all. You still abandon your kids twice. You do not get points for being happy. He hadn't spent a single happy day since his children had been away. Now he was a rich man. However, the mother had died. <laughs> just good. The end. That's the end. They literally just ended on that really lazy way of 
putting a bow on that. We don't really see the mother's comeuppance. just happens off screen. They don't even give a cause of death. How did the mother die? I don't know. However, the mother died. Well, all right. This one is actually, I, this is pretty true to the version that I think we know. I don't think there's, a, there's much twisted about this. Maybe there's some grittier details. Maybe they clean it up a little bit. I, I think I remember a version where there's a famine, which is what sort of motivates them to, to get rid of the kids, as opposed to just dad's a terrible woodcutter, so they can't make enough money, which is what, what's the situation in the, this original version. By the way, I did get the most original version of all of these fairy tales as I, that I could find. I did some research, and this translation that I'm working with I have been led to believe is the most true to the originals of the translations that currently exist because there were a number of updates and revisions that even the Brothers Grimm did themselves. But this is the most honest translation that I could find of the original versions. Anyway, I digress. I think the reason this one actually got famous is maybe because of the candy house in the forest. Because that imagery is kind of kind of sticks with you. I really don't. Otherwise, I I really don't know why this one stuck it out. Is there's not a lot going on here. It's not as compelling as some of the earlier ones we've been through so far. But you know what? Who am I to judge? Hansel and Gretel. There you go. So what is the lesson? I think the intended lesson. Firstly, there's the I think don't trust strangers. You know, even if they're pretending to be nice to you. That I remember that as being one of the lessons that you're supposed to learn from Hansel and Gretel. I also think another one of the lessons is to try to be resourceful. Because they really shine a light on the resourcefulness of Hansel, you know, getting the pebbles and trying to find that, and devising that system to get back home. And then the bread, but then there was a problem with that plan. And then, you know, him putting the bone through. They just were supposed to think that, like, that's quick thinking, even though there's no fucking way that that ever would have worked because a bone feels nothing like an actual finger that's, you know, alive. And then Gretel, you know, sees through the, to be honest, very obvious trick that the witch is trying to pull on her to get her to go into the, into the oven and then says, no, you do it. Which again, is, is not that resourceful. We have all these, uh, these things that we're supposed to think, oh, so resourceful of them. How clever. You know what would have been clever? Don't go into the forest with the parents that you know are trying to abandon you in the forest. That would have been clever. Get out of that situation before you get abandoned in the forest. If they really are resourceful, like we're supposed to believe, they would have made it work in town or somewhere that isn't the middle of the woods. But now they get left in the middle of the woods twice. Definitely a fool me once, fool me twice situation here. And to be honest, they got fooled twice, and still their plan was just to get back home to the parents that were going to abandon them probably a third time if they managed to actually get back home with the bread. I, I guess the only reason we're supposed to think that that is not going to happen at the end of the story is because they're rich and the mom's dead. But otherwise, their plan to just find their way back home to parents that continually abandon them, not a good plan. So yeah, the resourcefulness... I'm not buying that. Ostensibly, yes, that is a good lesson to be resourceful and to to think quickly and to try to see through, you know, if someone's trying to trick you. But I don't think Hansel and Gretel is a good representation 
of that quick thinking, because there are way better solutions to all of these problems. Resourcefulness would have been turning that bone into a shiv and stabbing the old woman and just getting the hell out of there. Or then living in the cool food house together after you kill the old woman. I don't know. I'm just saying the old woman was not a threat. Was not a threat. She could do food magic. That's not dangerous. Get out of there. Gretel was able to immediately open the door to the chicken coop after she got rid of the witch. Come on. There are ways to solve this. There are ways to get out of this way, way earlier. I think the real lesson is about resourcefulness, but not to follow their lead in terms of being resourceful, to see all of the ways in which they could have been resourceful in a better way. Like, the only really clever thing was the shiny rocks, but that just got them back where they started, into a shitty situation with parents that are going to abandon them again. So yeah, I think the real lesson is, use your resourcefulness to try to prevent these dire situations from happening. To try and help woodcutter dad with his woodcutting business that is going nowhere. Don't let it get this bad. I think that's the real lesson here. Don't let it get this bad. Figure out a way to help woodcutter dad with his woodcutting business. Use the shiny pebbles to create something that you can then use to make income. Or just have the whole family help with the woodcutting. Don't let it get that bad. Or, when the parents decided they were going to abandon the kids, Hansel and Gretel, you overheard it. Get out of there. Just get out of there and make your own way in life. Mom and Dad clearly suck anyway. They're not really providing for you. You can do better. Get out of there. Don't let it get so bad that you're left in the woods alone. Don't let it get that bad. And then, when they get taken in by the old woman, they just do everything the old woman says, Hansel stays in the chicken coop. Gretel does nothing to try to escape or get Hansel out prior to murdering the old woman. Just immediately, when the old woman is revealed to be bad, push her, get Hansel out of there because she can easily open the door, and run away. I just really feel like the witch is not a threat and should have been very easy to overcome very quickly. She's an old, ancient lady who has not shown any violence or any ability to overpower them in any way. Do something. It doesn't have to get to the point where now you're boiling a kettle, and you're eating crab shells, and the old woman is trying to trick you and get you into ovens. Don't let it get that bad. That is the lesson here. Be resourceful so that it doesn't get that bad. Don't let it get that bad. That's the lesson here. All right. How are we going to adapt this? I think... Let's do something post-apocalyptic. So, it's not a family. It's going to be... It's going to be a little different than the main story. It's going to be like two intense survivalists, and then two people that aren't really as skilled and aren't really as good, but are still clever and, and resourceful and can figure stuff out. And so survivalist number one is going to be... Like Zoe Saldana. And survivor number two is going to be, I don't know, Antonio Banderas. I like Antonio Banderas. Zoe Saldana and Antonio Banderas. This is this post-apocalyptic world, and they're super good at surviving in the middle of nowhere. And they somehow, when the world ended, they were in the same place as 
Thomas Middleditch and Lauren Lapkus. Two hilarious actors who are clever, but not really so good with the survivalist kind of brawn, physical manual labor, finding nature sort of stuff. Not quite as good as that. So they're all living together, trying to make do, but obviously Zoe Saldana and Antonio Banderas are sort of pulling their weight more than Thomas Middleditch and Lauren Lapkus. So Antonio Banderas is like, hey, we, we got to get these guys out of here. We got to break, go our own way. They're not pulling their weight. We got to get rid of them. And Zoe Saldana is the soft one. She, she likes them. She knows they're not pulling their weight, but it's the post-apocalypse. You got to appreciate the people around you. She's the, she's the sensitive one who wants to stay together, but she says, fine. Yeah, you know what? You're right. And so they lead them into the woods and say, we're going to go hunting. You guys stay here. Uh, we'll come back in a little while. And they go, we're not going to do the two times where they find their way back and then they abandon them again. It's just going to be the once. And so Zoe Saldana and Antonio Banderas bail. Thomas Middleton and Lauren Lapkus are stuck out there. I'm also not going to do the thing where they overhear the people saying that they're going to abandon them because that's just ridiculous. They would have just left if that were the case. So Lauren Lapkus and Thomas Middleton just don't know what's going on. They think, oh, maybe they got lost. Maybe they got lost and they couldn't find their way back to us. How sad. Well, got to figure out our own way. Then they sort of try and find their way back to home where Antonio Banderas and Zoe Saldana were. And maybe along the way, they sort of pick up some skills, some kind of survival skills. They hear some stuff out that maybe even Antonio Banderas and Zoe Saldana didn't know. But Antonio Banderas and Zoe Saldana were so, like, such a dominating presences and such dominating personalities that they were kind of always in charge. And so they always took charge of everything and never let Thomas Middleditch and Lauren Lapkus really contribute as much as they could have. And that is why they thought they were not as valuable. But now we see, as Thomas Middleditch and Lauren Lapkus are finding their way back through the forest, that they actually do have some outside-the-box skills and some resourcefulness. And while they are finding their way out, they do get lost, and they come across someone else living in a creepy little cabin in the woods in this post-apocalypse. And inside is Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn, fantastic actress, drama, comedy, anything. And she is living there alone, and she's kind of mysterious. She's also obviously like very good survivalist, but they think maybe she has some sort of like magical powers, maybe. Don't really know what's going on there. And she has a bunch of food, and she says, Sure, come on in. I've got food for plenty of people. I'm awesome. I'm super badass out here, so I can take care of you guys or help you if you want. They say, yeah, we've got some skills as well that the last two people we were with weren't really appreciating so much. So yeah, let's do this. After the first night, Thomas Middleditch wakes up to find that he has been magically like imprisoned in a chicken coop. I'm going to be honest. I think it's funny just to have him in a chicken coop. Thomas Middleditch in a chicken coop sounds hilarious to me. But it's he's he's actually like stuck in there. Like he's not it's not just like he's in a chicken coop and you can just open the door and get out. Like he he's actually like sealed up in there with some type of crazy magic. And then Lauren Lapkus is then made to do Catherine Hahn's bidding, and she orders her around, telling her what to do, and she actually can do some pretty crazy violet magic. And that is why Lauren Lapkus has to obey her, because she has really grisly magic, and she shows her by like 
I don't know, they're like out hunting and she like kills a boar with the magic. And I don't know, it's crazy and it's intense. And there's legitimate threat to all of their lives. Then they start trying to fatten up Thomas Middleditch, which I also find hilarious. And also trying to fatten up Lauren Lapkus because it doesn't make sense why she wouldn't just want to have two fattened up people. And meanwhile, as this is all going on, Lauren Lapkus is keeping an eye on Catherine Hahn and sort of seeing all of the magic that she's doing. And unbeknownst to Catherine Hahn and Thomas Middleditch, Lauren Lapkus is actually sort of learning the magic just by observing Catherine Hahn because she is very clever and very resourceful and she's very smart. Then comes the day where Catherine says, I'm done with this. I'm going to eat Thomas Middleditch. Let's make a fire. We're going to roast him. They take Thomas Middleditch out. They hang him over the fire. And as Catherine Hahn is trying to start the fire, Lauren Lapkus has a big swell of power within her. She has studied what's going on. She studied the magic. She knows how to do it. And she does this attack on Catherine Hahn. She falls into the fire. Catherine Hahn falls into the fire. And then Lauren Lapkus pushes the whole thing that Thomas Middleditch is attached to. And he falls out of the fire, lands on the side. And then Lauren uses magic to make the fire bigger and burn the old witch in the fire. And then she gets Thomas Middleditch out of his tied hands and, and frees him from being attached to the, to the spit. And then they go inside and there's all these old, crazy cool jewels and, and gems and magical artifacts. And now Lauren Lapkus is magic and they're both super resourceful. So they carry on through the forest and then they make their own house because now they're super resourceful and super badass and Lauren is magic and then they're doing really well. And then at some point, Antonio Banderas and Zoe Saldana stumble upon them and see, oh my goodness, you guys are doing so well. You guys are so great. You guys are super badass now. How could we have underestimated you? We weren't letting you live up to your full potential. We were overpowering the situation with our type A personalities and we didn't see how valuable you really were. And Lauren Lapkus and Thomas Middleton say, that's all right. We've all learned quite a lot. You can use our abilities. We can use your abilities. We can all live together happily in this post-apocalyptic hellscape. The end. And so that will do it for this week's episode of the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. This was a long one. One of the bigger stories we've done so far. It's one of the longer stories we've done so far, and I enjoyed every minute of it. So thank you so much for listening. I know you've got adaptation ideas as well. Go on and tag me over on Twitter or Instagram with those. Come on over to ShadowBearStorySessions.com. You can donate. You can contact me. Send me some suggestions or feedback. Would love to hear from you. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Next week's episode is a story titled Hair Fix It Up. Hair, fix it up. We will see what all that mess is about next week. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. That stuff really helps us out. My name is Zach Stewart, and I will see you next week on the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.